It's Friday again. Time for the Week in Review podcast on the Sourced Podcast. Jordan McDonald, number 50. Yes, number five zero. For the Very Week good. in Review. Wow. Big. Hasn't that gone fast? It has, actually. It has. I remember starting this dreading it every week because <laughs> I'm not a big, big speaker. <laughs> And um, it's taken me probably 50 episodes to get just a fraction less anxious about these every week. So you're no but longer dreading it? I don't dread it as much. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. No, it's, it's good. It's good. I enjoy it. Well, it's gone fast. And I, look, I just feel sorry for you having to work with me um, <laughs> because you are so prepared oh, and I'm not even going to pretend that I'm prepared. Yeah. Thank goodness you are, because it helps everyone. Oh, I wish I could prepare less, to be <laughs> honest. I've got four pages here, about 2,000 words. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, they'll be gems. So we'll let's see. get into it, because we've got a great topic for podcast number 50, mm-hmm. the Bureau of Meteorology. Yeah. Have just hand-delivered the first topic <laughs> for this week. Absolutely. And you know the story. Uh, the Bureau of Meteorology, BOM, as we refer it, decided they would do a bit of a rebrand and most importantly go out to media outlets this week to say, hey, just don't call us BOM anymore. Uh, Call us the Bureau, Mm. um, which has caused all sorts of uh, media coverage uh, and lots of uh, hope. Someone once said to me, hope isn't a strategy, (laughs) but it is for the Bureau of Meteorology. They want to be called the Bureau in a very warm term. Uh, rather than bomb. Now, we thought, Jordan, this sounded familiar when we first heard about this. We thought, where do we know this? This this is not the first time we've heard this. And <laughs> then we remembered this is something George Costanza tried on Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. So let's have a listen to this clip of George Costanza talking to Jerry Seinfeld. Well, Jerry, I've been thinking. I've gone as far as I can go with George Costanza. Is this the suicide talk or the nickname talk? The nickname. George, what is that? It's, it's nothing. It's got no snap, no zip. I need a nickname that makes people light up. You mean like Liza? I was thinking. T-bone. But there's no T in your name. What about G-bone? There's no G-bone. So the Bureau Jordan didn't want to be called uh, T-bone, no. like George did. No, not quite. But they wanted to be called the Bureau. Mm. I mean... What do you say about this? Uh, it's just, uh, there's so many things. Um, but the one thing I want to say is, do you really think that you can tell media to call you something like the Bureau and expect Australian media to toe the line? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's number one of many things. But what are no, your thoughts? Oh, look, I think it's been a bit embarrassing for all involved. Um, you know, like you said, 220 grand of taxpayer money and you're telling... Ask what we should call you, you know, it's, <laughs> it seems a bit rich. But look, the nicknames and abbreviations, they're pretty core to Australian culture. You know, you have McDonald's, we call it Maccas, you know, another more recent, Guzman Y Gomez is G-Y-G or just Guzman. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Target, which, you know, some of us refer to as Target. Yes. Um, you know, as if it's some you know, luxury <laughs> French line of clothing. <laughs> Um, but these brand nicknames, they're, they're terms of endearment and brands should really embrace these instead of want to change them. You know, Target is a pretty good example of a brand identifying the importance of this endearment. They actually challenged and successfully trademarked the nickname Target <laughs> when an online store, Catch of the Day, applied to trademark it for their own use. 
It was ruled that if Catch the Day were to use Target, it would actually mislead customers into thinking they were shopping at Target's website or a website related right. to Target. Right. So the power of nicknames, eh? Um, but yeah, anyway, look, I just found the language and, and the way the whole the Bureau rebrand <laughs> was handled just highly arrogant, to be honest. Yep. Um, Definitely. You know, and as we know today, they've walked back the rebrand, which, you know, is embarrassing, but again, necessary, I think. And now the organisation is having this light and sort of magnifying glass placed above it, which is unfortunately revealing this, this work culture, which, you know, isn't too great, apparently. You know, the, the ABC and a few others published stories this morning that sort of mentioned that employees past and present are oddly happy to see that some of the superiors you know, getting exposed. Yeah, so, so it's putting the spotlight on that. It is. So, yeah, yeah it, look, it's all pretty average. Yeah, and uh, one thing as well, which I'm not sure they thought through was, you know, what's the topic that we all talk about? Um, it's weather. Yeah. <laughs> we just talk about weather. So, therefore, the Bureau of Meteorology or BOM or the Bureau is in everyone's life. So, therefore, these types of uh, stories make it go far and wide because the interest levels are far and wide because it impacts on everyone's life. But... Again, the Bureau, as they want to be called, could have saved themselves a time and gone back and saw what happened to George Costanza (laughs) because it's happened to them as well. Let's go back and just hear what happened to George and his hopes of being called (laughs) T-Bone. Hey, (laughs) T-Bone! No, no T-Bone. No T-Bone? No, there's no T-Bone. Why no T-Bone? Why no T-Bone? Because Neil Watkins from accounting is T-Bone. Well, there it is. Seinfeld uh, was 20-plus years in front, could have helped the Bureau out. Um, now, another topic that emerged last weekend was uh, news that uh, New Co- News Corp may be getting the old uh, group back together. So re-merging the company that was split into two. Mm-hmm. A decade ago, I was working for News Corp at the time, and about 2013, the company was split basically into its entertainment arm, yep. which 20th Century Fox and its news publishing arm, which had the added uh, revenue bonuses of uh, realestate.com.au, REA, which is a, uh, a lucrative share for, for News Corp to have. But mm. now news emerges that maybe they may put back the old company into one and there's various speculation as to why that may happen. Now there's still a long way to go in this process in terms of... Um, the, the way it needs to happen regulation-wise, but what it would do would put those two big arms back together, raises market capitalisation, etc. Now, you can guess as to why that may be, but one thing may be uh, is the value in news and sport rising against the uncertainty of the entertainment side of things because yep. the streaming services have become so uh, prolific and so much a part of everyone's life, that means... Plenty of uh, businesses have flocked to them to try to get in on the streaming act. News and sport just truck along there. Um, and, uh, you know, we know that sport is valuable. Big news stories are valuable, as, as we've seen. So maybe mm-hmm. there's a bit of that to it. But, Jordan, what are your thoughts on why this uh, re-merger may occur? Yeah, look, I'm wondering if this is a case of scaling and trying to be proactive rather than reactive. You know, we're in an, an era where the, the market has been... It's sort of it's an era that's been marked by sort of reactive moves from these big companies. You know, News Corp back in two thousand and five bought uh, MySpace I as sort of storm clouds circled over the newspapers, 
and yes. because of the rise of the internet. But um, you know, buying MySpace didn't turn out to be a great move, did it? No, that wasn't uh, seen as successful. No, not at all. But um, you know, then Facebook bought Instagram because they saw it as a threat. And then no, this year even we've had Amazon. They acquired MGM Studios, which will give them four thousand films and seventeen thousand TV shows. You know, to their prime streaming service. Um, and then we've also discussed in this podcast the Warner Brothers Discovery merger. Yep. You yep. know, so. There's a lot of consolidation around the industry at the moment and I think Murdoch is wanting to scale up to be ready to contend in this industry space among the biggest players. Yeah, that there's, uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. And, of course, we know you talk about those acquisitions, but acquisition uh, is, is expensive. Expensive game, that one, isn't it? When you acquire, it is expensive. So this play <laughs> is interesting. Now, we spoke about news and the value of news and sport. Mm-hmm. Um, news this week has been shown to be um, particularly interesting to those in the UK and beyond. Um, what the hell is going on in the UK with politics there? Um, we'll, we'll leave it to uh, ITV News in the UK to tell us more. This is from one of their news bulletin intros this week. It has been a night of astonishing scenes at Westminster with reports of jostling, manhandling, bullying and shouting outside the parliamentary lobbies in a supposed vote of confidence in the government. The deputy chief whip was reported to have left the scene saying, I'm absolutely effing furious, I just don't effing care anymore, before he resigned along with the chief whip. But we've just been told they have now officially unresigned. The Home Secretary has, however, definitely gone. In short, it is total, absolute, abject chaos. Wow, a lot to take in there. Yeah, fair bit, fair mouthful. (laughs) And it's got worse because uh, overnight the UK Prime Minister uh, did resign. Yeah, she's gone. Liz Truss gone after 44 days, Mm. all out. All out. Finished. Um, It's been uh, something that has got people in for various reasons. But again, everyone uh, in the UK in particular trying to work out what's happening there. Is it selling any newspaper online subscriptions? I doubt it because it's available everywhere. But um, your thoughts, Jordan? Um, I looked at this uh, situation a a little differently. Maybe I think I found it more interesting that, you know, the way that the UK's perception of Liz Truss what that perception is and her ability to govern and then how the how the you know, this sort of evolution of the public's attitude towards Boris Johnson, the former Prime yeah. Minister, you know. I've got a few lines here from an article that was written to explain and then there's also appropriately titled Why Liz Trust Failed. Uh, these lines are, she went from daring to crazy, then seemed to revel in the craziness as if the implausibility of her plan was in itself proof of her courage. A first-time skier went off-piste with Bond themes in her headphones, <laughs> picked up speed and then hit a tree quickly. <laughs> I mean, most of us have never met or will ever meet Liz Trust, you know. That's right. But, but I reckon everyone has formed a strong opinion about her based on her performance as Prime Minister. You know, we're seeing now Boris Johnson is seeing these renewed calls to return to the big chair and I honestly didn't see that being a possibility either, the way he was sort of booted out. But, um, you know, you had Partygate, he was tossed. The approval rating for him was about 35% in, you yeah. know, and the online commentary was just a beatdown. Yeah. Um, you know, but he was widely unpopular. And Liz Truss comes along and six weeks later, you know, gone. And Boris Johnson 
doesn't seem so bad now, apparently. <laughs> Instead, he's actually favourable in the polls. He's in the top three preferred candidates to replace her. So I think it's just a really interesting case of, of personality for Liz and, and it's been interesting to see how the UK's now sort of 180 on, on Boris a bit. And that's why we talk here all the time <clears throat> about personality. Um, people form opinions on what type of uh, person you are or what... Uh, personality traits, businesses, uh, uh, governments, schools, etc. have. It's, it's a natural human thing. We talk about it all the time. So I haven't met Liz Truss. You haven't either, Jordan. No, Most people casting uh, thoughts about her now haven't met her. Mm. So w- we form our own uh, view of their uh, their personality. So, um, you know, if Liz Truss was, uh, was uh, here now, our view of her as a person is formed by what we've seen. So either you think about your own personality traits, especially if you're a business mm-hmm. or a um, you know, government or a school or whatever, and you try to enforce them or they'll be enforced for you. Yep. And in the case of Liz Trust, they're not enforced um, very well. Now, we touch most weeks on streaming. We've mentioned it already today because it's such a fast-moving space at the moment. Um, Netflix, Jordan, it's uh, in the news again. What's happened this week to Netflix? It is. Um, I reckon uh, the CEO there, Reed Hastings, is feeling some relief this week because their Q3 report came out and um, they've had a win. They had they added 2.4 million new subscribers, which was above their 1 million estimate for the quarter. In addition to that, the company recorded uh, nearly $8 billion in revenue, which is up 6% year on year. And they forecast that an even stronger result will appear in the Q4 report, uh, you know, saying that they're back on track and they've got a strong back catalogue of content. So, so we've had this in recent times, mm. just to say that, um, uh, you know, there's been some concerning numbers from Netflix. Um, what about this uh, quarter three? Why have we seen better numbers? Um, well, the letter to the stakeholders said the company focused on, on one thing and that was pleasing the customers. But, you know, in my mind, uh, that shouldn't be news. I think you should be doing that all the time. Um, but Netflix has been fortunate to have had some really strong releases in their Q3. You know, they had Stranger Things 4, yep. which did enormous uh, viewership. I think they had 1.35 billion hours watched, which is just wow. massive. Um, you know, the, the very popular Jeffrey Dahmer series was uh, 824 million hours watched. Hasn't it got some coverage? Hasn't it? It Hasn't seems it? to be And there's everywhere. a reason for that. We'll touch on that yeah. in a moment. But, um, you know, we also had the new season of the, the popular Cobra Kai show, 270 million hours watched there. But away from TV shows, they had a couple of good movies too. You know, we spoke about their grey the Grey Man in a couple of episodes earlier. Yep. Um, it was their most expensive film produced That's ever. That's right. Um, that was 254 million hours watched. I would love how when you make your own reports, you can sort of uh, produce your own yeah. <laughs> positive spin. You hold the data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they actually illustrated the large-scale reach that this movie got by dividing the total hours watched by the duration of the film to say they uh, reached 118 million households. Really? Even which, if you of only course, watch- have multiple people in the household, so it's actually quite a lot. Quite bigger. So even if you only watched 10 minutes of it mm. and you didn't get through the rest, yeah. it counts. Yep, that's it. Okay. Suitable. Um, Purple Hearts and the Sea Beast also featuring as big films, 229 million hours and 165 million hours respectively. But um, a key point that Netflix made about their release model was that they're sticking with this bingeable release model. Yeah. 
So they, they really believe that this style of release helps drive substantial engagement, particularly for the newer releases. So rather than doing a series that has a show a week across, say, yes, 10 weeks. that's it. You know, they, like the viewer can lose themselves in the story start yep. to finish. And that was the reason why Jeffrey Dahmer was so popular and Google Trends confirmed that people were able to watch that start to finish, yep. um, help them immerse themselves in the story, word of yep. mouth spread, all those good things. Um, without it, if it was a week-to-week episode thing, I'm not sure it would have been as popular. There's been one little sleeper thing with Netflix that I know uh, I'm sure a lot of Australian households have uh, been keeping an eye on. What's going to happen with password sharing? So if I live in one suburb mm. and then uh, you know a few suburbs away, someone else is using the password at the same time, mm-hmm. will Netflix try to crack down on that? So what's the latest on that? Um, look, they have taken a first step. They've announced profile transfers, which will allow any additional users on one Netflix account to transfer you know, all their preferences, their watch history over and start their own new account. So they won't be starting from scratch. So for example, if you mean Ainsley, we had a, your Netflix account, we're all on that, but I left. Um, yep. I could transfer all of my, what I'm watching, right. shows, where I'm up to, everything, and start my own Some account. Okay, sure. Yeah. So it, it's, it's also designed to encourage people who are currently, you know, still maybe using mum and dad's account or, you know, or a friend's account, yeah. as you mentioned, you know, to, to part ways and start their own subscription as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just the first step from Netflix to work out how they can monetize that password sharing a bit better. So is this uh, Netflix in a, uh, in a stronger position or is Netflix still uh, got some work to do? Look, I think it's a bit of both, honestly. It's, it's been a difficult year for them in, and the streaming industry is still evolving very fast, which means they're still going to face constant challenges to yeah. stay on top. But... You know, you could argue that in some ways Netflix has never been stronger. I mean, it's profitable. It's no longer needed to borrow money. In any given week, it accounts for about eight of the ten most popular streaming TV shows in the US and the majority of most popular streaming movies. Um, Many of its current challenges are a reflection of its hugeness. So, you know, Wall Street's always judged Netflix based on how many subscribers it signs up every quarter. But if you consider everyone using each Netflix subscription, it already reaches more than 500 million customers. And that's the majority of people with internet-connected TV, excluding those in China, obviously. Yeah, yep. Um, so, yeah, Netflix's problem isn't that its consumers aren't watching. It's that it doesn't make enough money yeah. when they do. You know, the streaming's share of, of total TV uh, time reached a new high this summer. And, and now the account... Uh, sorry, it accounts for about 35% of total TV viewing in the US. Yep. So you've got about 65% of viewing still locked into linear TV and that'll gradually shift to internet. So Netflix's primary challenge moving forward is to capture as much of that viewership as possible when it comes across. And, you know, with the addition of an ad-supported tier, I'm interested to see if all these elements can't expand the the reach for Netflix. Yeah, that ad-supported tier is interesting and um, Fox uh, in Australia will... Uh, News Corp in Australia announcing that it would uh, yesterday it would have a uh, ad supported tier as well uh, sometime next year. So that's changing. I'm really interested by what Netflix do with the uh, dumping new shows on in a binge uh, fashion mm. versus the weekly one. I was watching a show uh, recently um, that was uh, week by week, and after about five episodes, I got caught up in something else and I haven't been back to it yet. That's it. 
And so the full season is now available. Now I've got to go back. Do I want to go back and watch it? Because I picked up something else. So really interesting stuff. We, learn, we say on this podcast all the time we're learning uh, about audience behaviour because it's changing so much as all mm. of these uh, technologies and trends in our lives change. And that's when I'm still yet to see what the best option is. Uh, and we know one of the reasons that that happens is you can get your two-week free trial or whatever and if there's yeah. a really sought-after um, show and it's dumped in a binge mm. capacity, people can go on there within two weeks, they've watched the whole thing and they left again. They leave. And that's, a, that's something I've had an issue with at the moment recently. I watched that Dharma thing start to finish. I binged it. Now when it's done, what do I watch? Yeah, I've got to go yeah. find something else to watch. And for me to find something else to watch, I've got to rely on some really good word of mouth because there's just too much. Too so many choices. It could create a problem for them. I mean, I, and that, that whole churn thing, I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yep. We'll see. Now, um, we spoke about Be Real last week. What about TikTok now? What is TikTok now? Yeah, we spoke about Be Real last week and I finished the podcast, was putting it all together and I saw a, a notification and it was TikTok now. So I wish we'd have seen it an hour before because I could have spoken about <laughs> well, it. This but is uh, we'll sp- episode 50. <laughs> we'll this speak is next about week. it now. So as I said, you know, we spoke about Be Real last week and, it, and it's an app that invites users to take a front and back camera photo at a random prompted time each day and the aim is to capture this more authentic view of every user's day. But um, TikTok has now seen that and gone, we like that, let's copy it. And they did. Copying, that's the best thing ever. Yes, so it's called TikTok now and I don't even need to describe it, it's exactly the same. (laughs) It is exactly the same concept. So, you know, TikTok's essentially come in as the schoolyard bully. But, um, you know, you could also think, you could see it as, you know, just another attention-hungry social media platform, really. Um, but this sort of uh, behaviour isn't uncommon uh, among the big social media platforms. You know, Instagram stole stories from Snapchat, Twitter stole rooms from Clubhouse. They all t- copy each other yeah. essentially. Uh, and I don't think that'll ever stop. But um, what's interesting about TikTok now is that it has its own standalone app. Wow. And uh, that app is also being promoted by TikTok. <laughs> Which is bizarre. I mean, I understand it, but, you know, you're taking attention away from TikTok into another app, which is, again, TikTok. But I don't know. It's no wonder that uh, the TikTok now, based on all the support it had, is is in the top 10 social media apps by downloads at the moment. You know, it just surpassed 10 million downloads the other day. But by TikTok standards, I reckon it's underperforming. Be Real still beat it in downloads in September. Yeah, right. So it's 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 not doing the best, but um, I don't understand why TikTok didn't just design the feature to be within the app. It, it takes us back to what we mentioned uh, in that discussion around the um, the News Corp mm. uh, Fox thing, just about um, the behaviour of you know once these disruptors come in like facebook was once a disruptor mm. then it buys instagram because uh, instagram disrupted so mm. we acquire it tiktok's been the disruptor but now it's being disrupted by be real yeah. in some ways it, it moves so fast and the mindset of these uh, platforms is so interesting to see how they respond yeah. um and uh, you're not a disruptor for long i think that's the thing now in modern media you're a disruptor for a short period of time. Mm. And then what do you do after that? Because once you've disrupted, oh, yeah. um, someone's going to disrupt you. Correct. And Can we're seeing what it? TikTok's up to now. So you're right, that'll be very interesting in the weeks ahead. Now, um, 
Now, according to uh, the Bureau or BOM, whatever you want to say, <laughs> it's going to be a wet weekend. Uh, yeah. Does that impact your plans? Um, not at this stage. I've got a fairly busy weekend of, of music work. Um, but it's, it's so busy that it's a bit feral. So, you know, if it rains and I can't do some, oh, no. <laughs> oh no <laughs> Oh I get to sleep a little longer in the morning <laughs> Be shattering Yeah no So yeah that's, that's pretty much me all weekend Shout out to the Fathers of Girls Luncheon Of which I'm not But uh, I'll be there with Paul White The former Broncos CEO Oh lovely uh, Whitey will be father mm. of four daughters and two granddaughters oh, goodness. He qualifies, I don't uh, yeah. I'll be interviewing him at that function tomorrow Which is uh, should be a lot of fun So uh, enjoy the weekend You too Thank you.